Father in heaven, as we begin this very special series. A series, Lord, on human survival. A series that looks at the only way we can escape this planet. I want to pray, God, in a very special way that you'll be here in this church, that your Holy Spirit will be swirling around, touching hearts, touching minds, opening us up to the truth, Lord, so that we can make decisions to survive, to be saved. So, Jesus, I pray in your name for your presence now. In your name, Jesus. Amen. This is the beginning of a ten-part series. The series is called A Global Warning. A Global Warning. And the first Bible study, the first presentation this morning, is called An Inconvenient Truth. Now that may sound familiar to some of you, and so it should. We're going to take you this morning in the Bible from a time of darkness... And so we will start in a, in a dark area. We are going to take you from darkness right through to light. And I know that God will bless us. An inconvenient truth. Have you ever heard of global warming? As we drive our cars, as we power our industries, we are emitting CO2 into the atmosphere. The atmosphere is heating up and it seems that the world faces Global extinction. People much learned than I am are very, very worried about where the world is headed. Is global warming our cars, our industry, the coal that we mine from our ground to give us power? Is it killing us? And this morning I want to ask a question to you, and I want to ask a question, and we're going to look at it in the Bible. Is human survival, is human survival at stake? It seems to me that it could be. It seems to me that it could be. The hurricanes are getting stronger. Katrina, this terrible hurricane described as the worst disaster ever to hit the United States of America. It didn't make thousands, it made hundreds of thousands of people homeless. It destroyed a city, a city to this day that has not recovered. Hurricanes with strength like the world has never seen in Cuba, in the Caribbean, the home, the centre of world hurricanes. They are now having hurricanes that are hitting their islands, that are hitting their cities, that with winds of three, look, listen to this, of winds of 300 kilometres an hour plus, and they're laying it down, their scientists, learned men, some of the most intelligent people in the world, are laying the blame at the feet of global warming. We can go to our own country, Australia, last year, Cyclone Larry. It wiped out the banana crop. But what was even more serious is that it drove, they believe, interest rates up in Australia. And what is even more serious and worth contemplating is what would have happened if Cyclone Larry had hit Sydney or Brisbane or Melbourne or one of our large cities in this nation. It would have devastated, Cyclone Larry was as strong as Katrina, and it would have devastated a city, and it would have brought tragedy, untold tragedy, to Australia like we have never experienced. And we can praise God that the cyclone that hit northern Queensland did not hit us here in Sydney. 
There is the big dry at the very opposite and we are all aware of this. There are droughts and the droughts are all over the world from one end of the world to the other. They're in the United States of America, in California. Terrible drought at the moment. They're in Spain, in Portugal. Both countries run out of water. They're in Papua New Guinea, would you believe it? They're in China. They're in the Mideast. They're in Australia, we know it. In fact, many, many political commentators, they say, they state that the next wars will be fought over water. The most precious commodity on the earth. In, in Queensland, where I come in southeast Queensland, we have this massive dam called Wyvernhoe Dam. Many, many times the size of Sydney Harbour, the dam has run dry. It is literally dry. And for the first time in the history of the state of Queensland, my home, they are now, the government is now actively talking about excavating towns and cities in southern Queensland because there's no water. It's a crisis. The world is in crisis. Facing terrible, terrible dark times. We are facing unprecedented times. No generation in the history of this country has ever faced what you and I face. Fertile lands turning into desert. Farmers are committing suicide in the dozens because they cannot grow their crops and make a living. The country, Australia, is on its knees. Our crops are failing and we are not alone. Right around the world, as the weather goes berserk, crops are failing. Food sources are unsure and we are, believe it or not, and I am, I am not here to scare you, I am presenting to you the truth today. This world is facing a water crisis and with the water crisis it is facing a food crisis and that is serious. We have rising sea levels. Tuvalu, many of our island neighbours are being swamped as we talked this morning. And many of these problems are, let's face it, are caused by man's abuse of the environment. And before you go too far today, I'm not a raging environmentalist. I don't, I've never voted green in my life and probably never will. But I can see what's happening. And so can many others. In California alone, and Australia's the same, we are no different. Over 89% of native grasslands have gone. 90% of riparian woodlands, gone. Over 90% of coastal wetlands, gone. Over 95% of interior wetlands, gone. And we wonder why our fertile lands, our farmlands, these beautiful grasslands, these forests that we once had, that we chopped down, that we abused, we wonder why they're turning into deserts. There are indeed fearful things afoot in the world today. There is violence We have Port Arthur, we have Columbine, we have Virginia Tech. Violence everywhere in our our society. And this is not perpetrated by the environment, it's perpetrated by man. There's, There's a nuclear threat of annihilation. We have rogue states like North Korea and Iran causing fear throughout the world. We have famine where two thirds of the world go to bed hungry every night. We have family breakdown impacting many of you sitting in this church this morning. We're 50%, it's staggering, 50% of people who give their lives to each other in love before God end up in divorce. And it's hurting us. It's hurting fathers and husbands. It's hurting mothers and wives and oh, brothers and sisters this morning. It's hurting our children. It's becoming more and more accepted and prevalent in our society that marriage is not necessarily a thing that ties people together. It's there while I feel like it and then I can walk away. And it's hurting 
There's earthquakes. China, Japan, New Zealand, PNG, Indonesia, United States of America, Europe, even here in Australia. It's like the environment, the world is turning upside down and breaking apart. There's poverty. Most of the world lives in poverty. No home, no drinking water, no food. There's morality. Open flaunting of sexuality. The world, I tell you this morning, is mortally, is mortally wounded. And it is going down past the point of no return. Like the Titanic, you can't get off it. It seems there's no one there to save you. And if you're on it, and we all are, you're going down with it. And you can choose to do one of two things this morning. You can stick your head in the sand like that ostrich or emu. He sticks his head in the sand, he pretends nothing's going on, he can just keep living as normal. And there are a lot of people doing that. There are a lot of Christians doing that. It's a mistake. Because you are on the Titanic. You're on a world that's fallen apart. You're on a world, if the world was a person, is an old man and is creaking and is groaning in its pain. And that old man, that world is going to die and it's going to die soon. Well, you can go to the Bible and you can face the problems of the world front on with the Bible. And I know of no other book that accurately gives us a way out of the mess, a way off the Titanic, a way out of this world like the Bible. And I've been reading the Bible for 17 years now. And the Bible's never let me down. And when you get into prophecy in the Bible, when it makes predictions, it happens. When you get into prophecy in the Bible, you can be sure that what the Bible says, not only will it happen, but it gives you the escape, it gives you the way out. And I want to tell you this morning that the Bible equates, the Bi- listen to me, this is, this is as important as anything I'll say this morning, the Bible equates the time we live in, the time you live in 2007, it equates the time we live in as the time of the end. You don't hear that much in our culture. You don't hear that much in our society. It's not the most popular thing to say, but I'm telling you this morning that the Bible clearly says the world is coming to an end. Jesus himself. When he lived in the world, he knew it was coming. Look at this, Jesus sitting on a mountain with his disciples. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, just outside Jerusalem, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will the end of the world happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? They're saying, how will it be? What will happen just before the end of the world, the time we live in? And so Jesus sits down and he talks to them. He says, you'll hear of wars and rumours of wars. He says there will be famines. Jesus says there will be earthquakes, not just in one place, in various places all over the world. He says because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. He says parents won't act normally, won't love normally their kids. Wives won't love their husbands as they should and husbands their wives. He said people will behave in strange ways. You will shake your head at some of the things you see human beings doing to each other. He says in the time of the end, just before the world comes to a crashing end, as it is growing old, he says the love of many will wax cold. He says there will be great earthquakes, famines and pestilences in various places. Jesus knew about AIDS, a pestilence, a virus. Jesus knew about Ebola. Jesus knew about the bird flu. He goes on, he says, and not only will there be pestilence in various places, but there will be fearful events and great signs from the heavens. Jesus knew about the ozone hole. Jesus knew about global warming. 
and he loves you, he loves human beings, he says you need to know this, he needs to, you need to know these things so that when you see them, you know that the world is coming, as crazy as it might seem, the world is coming to an end. You don't have to be a preacher to say that. You can talk to the scientists, talk to the biologists, talk to the learned men of the world. They don't, some of them, many of them don't have an ounce of spirituality in them and yet they are fearful and they will tell you, yeah, something's happening. The world is turning upside down. It does seem environmentally. It does seem the way man treats it. That world, this world we live in is coming crashing to an end. That's why there's so much fear. That's why there's so much noise in the political world at the moment. They, can, they think that they can save themselves. The world has gone over the cliff and it's careering to destruction. And I want to tell you this morning, there's no pulling back. The world is mortally wounded. It is dying. You can be like that ostrich and you can ignore it. You can put your head in the sand. Well, today you can make a decision that you will start to do something about it. Today you can make a decision that you will survive. You will survive. The Bible says, look at this. The Bible describes our time. It says, for then, and this is Jesus, and he's talking our time. He says, for then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. That's the time you and I live in. And he goes on by saying, if, listen to this. This is what Jesus says about our world. He said, if those days had not been cut short, no one would survive his human existence on this planet at stake. You better believe it. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of those I love, those days will be shortened. Oh, I want to tell you something this morning and it's serious. Things on this earth, I wish I didn't have to say this, but things on this earth will not get better. The Bible says they'll only get worse. Human survival is at stake. And for many that is a very, very inconvenient truth. They want to ignore it. They don't want to look at it. They don't even want to contemplate it. But I believe God brought you into this church this morning to look at it, to think about it, and to contemplate it. Use your head. Now we go into the light as we bring this to a close. All is not lost. I'm so glad I can stand up here and say that this morning. All is not lost. It was Jesus who made the world. It was Jesus who made you. It is Jesus who still, despite what the media, despite what commentators, despite what the world thinks, it is Jesus who still loves the world. It is Jesus who still loves you. Jesus cares for the world intently, intensely. And it is Jesus who, as the world comes to an end, he is the one who will come and save us. And there is a rescue plan. There is a rescue plan. God, Jesus, is not going to leave us to, 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 to live on this world and disintegrate with it as it environmentally commits suicide. 
There is a rescue plan. Jesus, who is intently interested in us, has a plan to save us. Matthew chapter 24, verse 33, Jesus says to his disciples as he shares to them what it will be like at the end of the world, he says, even so, he says, when you see all these things, when you see the earthquakes, when you see the tsunamis, when you see the wars, when you see the famines, when he, sees, he says, when you see all this darkness, so discouraging, so dark, I can barely watch the news anymore. I struggle to read the newspaper. We're all burdened by it. Jesus says, hey, there is light. He said, when you see this in your world, he said, know that I am coming to rescue you. To rescue you. That's what Jesus says. And we're going to look at that in another program, but I want to leave you with this because as the world falls down around my ears, as the world falls down around my head, as I struggle in my life with financial insecurity, as I struggle with the threat of drought, as I struggle with the threats of tsunamis and and, and violence and, and everything else that's out there that could hurt us, There is one thing that keeps me going with confidence, that keeps me going with a smile on my face, that keeps me going with peace. And it's Jesus and what Jesus promises is enough. It will get me through. And I want to leave you with this is Psalm chapter 91. And this is an end of the world psalm. It was written for our day. It was written by David under inspiration from Jesus for you because Jesus knew you faced dark times. He knew you lived in a bad world. And he knew you would need encouragement like this to get you through Psalm chapter 91. This is what Jesus says. And he says it to you today. You're living in a bad world, he said. But take heart because he says, live under the protection of me. Live under the protection of God, the Most High. And stay in the shadow of God. The all-powerful, no matter how bad things are, no matter how bad things get, if you live under the protection of God, you will be okay. Look at this beautiful psalm. Then you will say, that's you to the Lord, you are my fortress and my place of safety. You are my God. And I trust you, I tell you this morning as the world crumbles, there's nowhere to go. There's no safety except in Jesus and in God. He is our fortress in Him. We will be safe. Oh, I got peace. And I got peace because of this Jesus. He says, The Lord, verse 3, will keep you safe from secret traps and deadly diseases. Beautiful. Verse 4, He will spread His wings over you and keep you secure. His faithfulness is like a shield or a city wall. Oh, God made the world. The world is crumbling, it's dying, it's in trouble, but God is still in charge. He is still in control. And Jesus says, God said, run to me. I will care for you. I will look after you. Look, I feel an urgency about this message. My whole life is dedicated to telling the world that's dying, hey, we're going down. It is dark, it is discouraging, but there's a way out. And it's Jesus. No other way but Jesus. And it's Jesus that will look after us through these dark times. Verse 5, you won't need to worry. Well, how many of you worrying this morning? You won't need to worry about dangers at night or the arrows that fly during the day. Verse 6, and you won't fear disease that strike in the dark or sudden disaster at noon. This is an end time psalm. Verse 7, you will not be harmed though thousands fall around you. Wow, what a God. And he loves you so much. 
Just run to him. Verse 9, the Lord Most High is your fortress. Run, run, run to him for safety. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about denominations. I'm talking about Jesus, about God. And there should be nothing getting in the way this morning of you running to Jesus as fast as you can. Verse 10, no terrible disasters will strike you at your home. If you run to Jesus, your family will be safe. You will be okay. Verse 11, God will command his angels to protect you wherever you go. You know you can't plan as the world comes to an end. Don't move to southwest Tasmania and build a log cabin and store up food. It won't help you. Probably be an earthquake, destroy the cabin and the food. God says, don't plan. He says, I will look after you. I will command my angels, he says, to protect you. Beautiful. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Peace. Verse 14, the Lord says, if you love me and truly know who I am, I will rescue you. He just keeps going back over the same thing in this psalm. He says, I will keep you safe. When you are in trouble, call out to me. I will answer and be there to protect you and to honour you. Wow. Wonderful psalm. And do you know that although the Bible is full of descriptions of the darkness, of the negativity, of the badness of our world at the end of time, there is even more in this beautiful book that will encourage you that will give you peace, will help to see you through the dark, dark times that are ahead of you. They're coming like an out-of-control herd of bulls on a rampage. These times are here and they're coming and they're going to get worse. But you can make a decision this morning to face them with Jesus, encased in Jesus the fortress. Protected by Jesus, the high God of heaven, you will go through. And so how do you run to Jesus? It is as simple as this. In prayer you say this morning, from your heart, dear Jesus, I can see that we live in a troubled world. It is not getting better. And all you've got to say is, today Jesus, I choose to run to you. I want to hide in you, my fortress. Help me to go through the troubles that are ahead and save me, save me, I pray. Save my family. Jesus, I pray this morning, save my church. Jesus, I pray, save my city. Save my nation. Jesus, Come and save the world. There is no other hope. He is the only way out. And he offers himself to you this morning as a saviour. All you've got to do is pray that simple prayer. Let's bow our heads. Oh Jesus, it is a dark world. So many bad things happening that overwhelms us and we cannot cope. Jesus, I... As a pastor of this church, and behalf of all the people in this church, give my life, I give my heart, we give our lives, we give our hearts to you. And Jesus, we run to you. 
We don't know you. Many of us don't know you very well. We don't know how to pray. We don't know how to call you. We don't know how to walk with you. But hear our prayer from hearts that are longing for safety this morning, Jesus, I pray. Allow us into your fort, into you, and protect us as we go through the terrible times that are ahead of us. Thank you that you care, Jesus. And help us to learn to know you and to love you and to follow you, I pray in your name. Amen.